as we get the one to probably need the words. Faith of our fathers living still in spite of dungeon, fire, and sword. Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy whenever we hear that glorious word. And we're going to make reference to some of the fathers in my message today and some of the things that they have done in the past. So uh, as soon as we get the words up, we'll go ahead and begin. We're, this is a slow technical morning, evidently. How's that? Maybe, maybe what we should do is we should just all go outside under one of the trees. How about that? There we go. Let's start it together right on that first verse. Faith of our Father living still In spite of dungeon fire and sword Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy when hear that glorious word faith of our fathers faith of our fathers holy faith we will be true to thee till death the next verse faith of our fathers we kindly words and virtuous life. Sing it together. Faith of our Father's holy faith, we will be true to Thee. Till One more time on that chorus. It's faith of our Father's men and women would like to make that pledge to the Lord. Amen? And actually there is a middle verse to this, but uh, it, it sings and it says that the prayers of Mary will help us. Did anybody know that? The prayers of Mary will help us. And I thought, what in the world are the prayers of Mary? Well, here it's the prayers of Queen Mary to help us in England. So we did away with that verse because we don't really care about England. We care about America, amen? So how many know we need prayers for America, for the men of America, for the women of America, and that's what we're concerned with. Let's just bow our heads. Father, we just thank you so much that we can worship you this morning as your sons and daughters, as fathers and mothers. We're so grateful for your strength, your mercy, your grace, your peace, all that you give us this morning. And we need a special anointing, a special touch again from you for every part of our lives. We thank you for what you're doing. We ask your blessing on our fathers, on our spiritual fathers as well. You don't have to have physical children to be a father. You can be a spiritual father as well. And how important those are in these last days. We thank you. Bless each part of this service as we worship together, as we pray together at the altar, praying for one another as we lift up needs whatever the case may be we thank you that you're going to strengthen us body soul and spirit we ask it and receive it in jesus name amen and amen god bless you let's just worship together everyone needs compassion a love that's never failing the mercy 
noise inside The sound of angels All the sound of angels' songs And all this for a king We could join and sing All to Christ the King How constant, how divine this song of ours will rise Oh, how constant, how divine This song of ours will rise Will rise Oh, praise Him Oh, praise Him For He is holy He is holy A joyous noise, yes, the sound of salvation come, the sound of rescued ones, and all this for a king, angels join to sing, all for Christ our King.
Father's Day, those of us that maybe didn't have good fathers, maybe we had fathers that were abusive or something like that, we, we pray for them, we ask your blessing on them, but we're so glad that you're not a father like that. You're not abusive, you're not mean, you're not fickle, you're not human. We're so glad that you're an eternal father and that you came to us as a human to show us what true manhood is and what true fatherhood is in Jesus. We thank you for that. We ask your blessing on us. Father, we ask for those that are struggling. We know uh, Aaron Marsh struggling uh, physically with kidney condition. We ask your touch on his body. For those, uh, we remember Mary as well uh, that had a fall, ask you to touch her body as well. Continue to minister your healing power, your grace, and your virtue to all of us. We thank you, Father, for your blessing, your mercy, your grace, and your provision that comes through the wonderful name of Jesus. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. 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 Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Wonderful, wonderful to be in his presence. Ushers, if you'll come, we will prepare to meet the need of the hour. And as they do come, just a a couple of of greetings and announcements as well. Um, The Buccellis, Mary, just raise your hand, Bob and Mary. And uh, Mary is an author and has... uh, given some books. Uh, they are in, on the back. Very nice devotional thoughts, devotional books. Uh, you can talk with her afterwards if you want, but there are a stack of them out there for free. You could take them and read them, and if you would like to get some for yourself, you could talk with her, and she will, she will get you all set up. And also, we have a, a, another special guest next to them is Esther Bongiovanni. Esther, raise your hand. Uh, I don't know how many, how many know the Bongiovannis. Does that name ring a bell? I know quite a few. Gina, you would, you would know them from, and Marianne from CCNA days and things like that. And I have a story about, uh, about Guy Bongiovanni in just a moment. But Guy was the pastored many years in Farrell, Pennsylvania, and uh, was director and head of... Uh, the Christian Churches of North America for a number of years, missions director and a wonderful man of God, friend of my father and uh, of this place and wonderful, wonderful family. Praise the Lord. Ushers, if you'll come, we'll prepare to meet the need of the hour here and <clears throat> continue to worship him as we do through giving of tithes and offerings. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you so much for your provision, your blessing, your outpouring. We're so grateful that we can give back to you 
because we know that when we do, you give it back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Not so we can become rich or wealthy, but so that we can continue to give. And that's our desire, to bless those around us through your provision. We thank you for it. Bless both gift and giver in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you as you give. Hallelujah. And you may take your Bibles and open them to Philippians. We're going to go to a little different place today. We are in the book of Philippians. We're in the first several verses of that first chapter, but we're going to go to the second chapter of Philippians and stay in the same general book. We're going down to verse 19 of the second chapter. Philippians, the second chapter, verse 19. We're going to talk about men of character this morning. Men of character and, of course, women of character as well. Uh, the story that I have, though, is many of you uh, were here the Sunday years and years ago when my father, uh, who was pastoring, uh, collapsed in the pulpit. How many remember that? Oh, yeah, quite a few of you were around. And it ends up that really they don't even know what caused it. But he was, as far as we know, he was almost gone. They couldn't get a pulse. They couldn't get anything. And, of course, there were several nurses. They all ran up and, and, um, and began praying and, and finally got him to the hospital. And they, they feel that really it was stress. And years after that, my dad said, you know, I think it was the Lord I was he was telling me that it was time. It was time for me to move on. It was time for me to, to let go and, and move on to what he had for me. But I was just a hard-headed Italian. There's none of those around here. <laughs> and uh, Brother Guy Bongiovanni went into the hospital to visit him. And uh, I don't know what he said. He said it in Italian, I think. But in the English, he said to my father, fratello, brother, he said, and he went like this, and he said, let it go. Let it go. In other words, brother, do what God's telling you to. Get out of there. Go where he wants you to go. Do what he wants you to do. Let it go. How many know that there are a lot of times in life we hold on to things we shouldn't hold on to, and it's time to let it go sometimes, and the more we hold it, the harder we hold it, the more stress it causes in us. So that was, that was Brother Guy's message, and he being dead yet speaketh, and uh, it's a good message for all of us, right? Let it go. If it's time to let it go, let it go. Hallelujah. Second chapter of Philippians. <clears throat> we're going to be down in verse 19, and we're going to talk in particular about being men of character today, and in particular using Timothy and Epaphroditus that Paul speaks of. And uh, we'll get to that these verses in just a moment. We will sort of browse through them a little bit uh, as we go. But uh, there was an article I read a while back that there is a store that um, sells husbands, and it just opened a while back. where a woman can go to choose a husband. And uh, among the instructions at the entrance was a description of how the store operates. Uh, And it said, you can only visit the store one time. That's it. There are six floors, and the attributes on each floor are listed, and then they increase as the shopper ascends the floors, all the way up to the sixth floor. You can stop at any floor and choose a husband but you cannot go back down. If you go back down, you have to exit the building. So a woman goes into the husband's store to find a husband. First floor, the sign read, floor number one, these, men's have, these men have jobs and love the Lord. 
she thought, wow, that's, that's pretty good, but I've got to see what the second floor is then. Second floor, these men have jobs, love the Lord, and they love kids. She thought, oh my goodness. Third floor, these men have jobs, love the Lord, love kids, and are extremely good looking. She thinks, wow, this is unbelievable. I've, I've got to keep going here. I've got to see what's next. Fourth floor, these men have jobs, love the Lord, love kids, are good looking, and help with the housework. She said, oh my goodness, I can hardly stand it. She says, I, I've got to go to the fifth floor. This is unbelievable. Fifth floor, these men have jobs, love the Lord, love kids, are gorgeous, help with the homework, and have a strong romantic streak. She was tempted to stay, but you know how we are. She says, I've got to see what the sixth floor has. I don't even know what it could be. She gets to the sixth floor, and the sixth floor said, you are visitor 4,363,000 to this floor. There are no men on this floor. It only exists to prove that women are impossible to please. (laughs) Now, That was just a setup. Now, ladies, I set it up for you. You can hit it out of the park right now. You ready? All of you married women out there, all you have to do now and to give your husband the biggest Father's Day gift is turn at him and just say, Honey, to me, you are the fifth floor. Some of them actually did it. That was pretty good. How many of you know that humans are hard to, hard to please? All of us are hard to please. But that was, that was your Father's Day gift there. That was your Father's Day gift. Okay, we're going into Philippians from the sublime to the uh, ridiculous to the sublime now, right? We're going into Philippians, and uh, we're going to get back to Philippians, the first chapter, verse 9, in two weeks. Don't remember, don't forget, next week is our, the... Um, the Stevens family is coming. You will enjoy them. They they minister the word a bit. They share in song. They uh, there's just a, they have a, a wonderful wonderful ministry. Old songs, new songs, worship songs, hymns, choruses. You will really really enjoy them. And that will be uh, next week before we jump into July already. Hallelujah. So we're going to talk about these two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And let's go down to verse 19. Uh, of Philippians 2 and begin reading there. But I trust the Lord Jesus, Paul is saying, to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may also be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, uh, not the things which are of Christ. But you know his proven character. Wouldn't wouldn't that be wonderful if someone could say that uh, uh, about you someday, proven character? That as a son with his father, he served me with the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once and as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself will come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for all of you and was distressed because you had heard he was sick. For indeed, he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent 
him to you the more earnestly that when you see him again you would rejoice that I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. What a, what a wonderful, uh, tender set of paragraphs there about two gentlemen that were not necessarily biggies in the church. Timothy, of course, was the pastor in Ephesus, but these individuals that Paul commended with such high esteem, saying that they were men of character, these two men. And it's interesting that this second chapter begins with the phrase, therefore, and uh, it goes on to talk about consolation and comfort and uh, uh, all of those things. And of course, that means he's drawing a conclusion. He started with an argument, a discussion. Now he's drawing a conclusion, and he talks about comfort and fellowship and consolation. And he said, these things occur Comfort, consolation, and fellowship occur when everybody is like-minded, lowly, that, that does not mean doormats, it just simply means humble, not haughty, and we do things without complaining. Boy, I tell you, that's a hard... <laughs> I know, I'm just talking about me, I'm not talking about you, but I love to complain. I just, I, mo- most of the time I do it to myself. You know, I just mutter to myself, but I'm just chuckling because all winter long we've complained about the cold, and then when it got hot, we complain how hot it is, right? <clears throat> so that, that's just what we do. But to, to, to be like-minded, to be lowly, not haughty, and to do things without complaining. Immediately, uh, he then goes from this lofty, almost inaccessible thing, those, the, that aspect, uh, incredible, and he goes immediately to two men that we can imitate. Now, we can imitate Jesus, and we know we should, but sometimes that is such a high goal that it, it's just almost Mount Everest. You know, wow, I, I'm going to try to be like Jesus, uh, and I'm going to turn the other cheek, and I'm going to let them pluck my beard, and I'm going to, you know, but wow, that's awfully hard. So Paul doesn't necessarily do that. He gives us two normal guys. Timothy, who, as we see in other passages, had a bad stomach, had physical problems. We see Timothy, and we see Epaphroditus. Two men that defied the pool of the world. Two men that chose instead to exemplify godly character. And man, if we need anything right now in the world, it's godly character in our men and women. You know that that song. I think there's even a song about it, right? What the world needs now is men of character. I think that's what it says, right? I think that's the song. We talked last week about the silly love that this world has. We need men and women of character. Mighty men of valor who live victoriously in the trenches. Men of strong character who labor on in spite of the odds. I believe God is interested today in heroes who labor in and out, day in and day out. They father their children. They love their wives. They support the church. They witness for Jesus. They pastor faithfully. They work faithfully. I I am just so tired and bored of superstars, aren't you? In the church and outside of the church. So many times uh, the news will pop up or something on my phone and and some movie star says this or some NBA player says that or some football player says this and and I think, why do I even care what these people say? They're, they're dummies like the rest of us. I don't care what they say. So they could dribble a basketball. So they could, so they could swing a bat. That doesn't make them econo- professors in economics. 
You know, they're just normal people, men of character. We, I was talking with somebody before church about our grandparents, and I think, you know, my grandfather, uh, on really on both sides, I, my mother, I think she still has it, uh, when, he was, when he married my grandmother, the German side, the Denlinger side, married my grandmother and uh, couldn't afford the marriage certificate of like $2 or something. Couldn't afford that back then, 1920 something, I don't know when it was, 1930, couldn't afford the marriage certificate, so he borrowed the $2 from his grandfather and paid him back at 10 cents a month. <laughs> what a different time. I think of my Italian grandfather coming back, coming to America with nothing in his pocket, and then, then to get his citizenship, fighting in World War I coming back from World War I and then going to work in the quarries and the steel mills and all that. Unbelievable character. I get tired just thinking about it. Unbelievable character. Manly character is not how good we swing a bat or run a football or star in a show. Uh, Manly character, for women even, womanly character is not how good you cook, it's not how nice you dress, it's not how smart you are. We're going to show in our text today that true character is... Godly character, godly character, people that defied the odds, people that stood firm against opposition, people that refused to yield even under intense persecution, people that moved contrary to society in their day. These were godly men and women. I remember uh, reading a while back the story of uh, in the 1500s of uh, two gentlemen, Latimer and Ridley. You might have heard this in the past. They were persecuted uh, by the, by the governor's, governorship of the day. And uh, they were burned at the stake in 1555. And Ridley, one of the characters, went to the pyre, to the stake, uh, in a black gown. Latimer chose to wear a shabby old garment because he wanted to to make a profession about his righteousness and that it wasn't worth anything. Ridley and and Latimer both kissed the stake and both knelt and prayed. And after a 15-minute sermon about repentance... You're about to be burned at the stake and you preach for 15 minutes. God bless him. They were chained at the stake. A bag of gunpowder was hung around their necks. Ridley was the first to strengthen his friend and he said, Be of good cheer, brother, for God will either assuage the fury of the flame or else strengthen us to abide it. As the bundle of sticks caught fire beneath them, Latimer turned and he said, in a loud voice to Ridley, he cried out, Be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. I like that line. That's old English for be a man. Stand up and be a man. Play the man. By God's grace, we shall this day light such a candle in England as, I shall, as it shall never be put out. Well, I got news for you, folks. It has never been put out, and it is still growing today, and people are still getting saved, and God is still working, and people are still getting healed and delivered and set free, not only in England, but all around the world, because of characters like that. Consider Caleb, who kept the faith persevered positively for 40 years. The Caleb who stood at Egypt's door was the same Caleb 40 years later in Canaan land. Stronger, wiser, more patient. Hallelujah. Consider Simeon and Anna patiently and faithfully fulfilling their duty in the temple day after day after day, walking up to the temple, walking back to the temple, in the rain, in the cold, in the heat of day. Remember, they didn't have cars and 
taxis back then. They had to walk all the way into their 90s, driven by God to see a godly desire to see the Messiah. Cold, rain, nothing stopped them, nothing deterred them. They had to see the manifestation of the Son of God. And the day that they did, he said, now you can take me home. I saw it. Hallelujah. We need godly, patient men and women like that today. Boy, do we ever. So men, our opening question to us today is, what drives us? What motivates us? Is it, is it godly desires? Or is it carnal desires? Is it desire for money or fame or popularity or things? What, what, what drives us? Or, or are we driven to see the manifestation of God? You know what? I, I really am sensing all across the body of Christ, really, when I talk to people and, and talk to some pastors, not a lot of pastors, but some pastors and a lot of people, there are many, many people that are just getting really tired of all this and they want to see a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. They want to see God begin to move again. They want to see healings. They want to see deliverances. They want to see salvations once again. And and I trust that it will be that way. So we're going to see what drove these several people, Paul, Timothy in particular, but in particular Timothy and Epaphroditus. We're going to find out three points uh, as we look at this this morning. And that is, uh, number one, they were ready to to go. They were ready to go. Uh, In verse 19, Paul says, I'm going to send Timothy to you. I'm going to send Timothy. Timothy to you. And remember, again, this was not an easy thing back then. This was not even a bus ticket. I mean, when they went, it took, wow, it was horseback, it was walking, it was a lot of energy. You didn't just hop on a plane and fly. You didn't get on a bus. This was a lot of energy. So here's Timothy. He's ready to go. And I believe that each one of us needs to be ready to go for God. Ready to go for God. One mile, one block, a thousand miles, go, whatever it is. Ready to go. And I believe that it has nothing to do with the distance, but the desire. We have to have the desire to go. It's not activity, it's attitude. It's not running around, doing, 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 doing. It's simply saying, Lord, where do you want to send me? Where do you want to send me? Abraham, ah, I just love that story of that man of faith. Abraham threw back the flap of that tent, looked out into the dark sky, heard a voice that said, go, leave your home and go to a place that I'm going to show you. Well, Lord, how about maybe just a location, (laughs) Uh, a general, like north by northeast, something, anything? Go, just, just go. And here this man went. Amazing. Exodus, the fourth chapter. Moses went, didn't he? He logged a lot of talking. He gave a lot of excuses, right? But eventually he went and millions of people were set free. How, how, how about Elijah? Elijah, why? Talk about a complainer. God bless him. <laughs> what a complainer. But God bless him. He went, didn't he? And when he did go, Prophets of Baal saw what God was going to do. Nations saw what God was going to do. Kings and queens saw what God was going to do because he went. He didn't know what he was going to do when he got there, but he went. How about Acts the 8th chapter? Philip at a wonderful revival. Wonderful revival going on. Hundreds of people from all around coming to hear him preach. But then God said, nope, I'm going to send you somewhere else. Go down, down into the desert. 
Go down into the lonely place. And he went and left the revival, went to a lonely road and talked to one man, an Ethiopian. God saved him, baptized him, and sent him back to Ethiopia. And if it wasn't for that one move, the gospel would probably have not have gone to Africa. Because of one man. Acts the ninth chapter. Ananias. Oh, love that story of Ananias. He's praying. He's, he's seeking the Lord. He's praying in his house, right? And he doesn't know that on down the way there was a guy named Saul that was killing Christians. He knew that part. But he didn't know that God was just about to save Saul and turn him into Paul. And he's praying. Nice godly man. It, you know, it, it's nice when we're godly and we're praying and everything is nice. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit can interrupt us, right? And when he interrupts us, a lot of times, we don't like his interruptions. And the Holy Spirit interrupts him. He says, guess what I'm going to do, Ananias? I'm going to send Paul to you, Saul, the one that's killing Christians. He's blind, and I'm going to send him to you. And you're going to pray for him, and he's going to be healed. (laughs) Could you imagine what Ananias was thinking? Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're sending Saul to me, the guy that killed my uncle, the guy that got rid of my aunt and uncle over here and my mom and dad and my kids. You're going to send him to me. You want me to pray for him to be healed. And he's blind? You could send him to me, Lord. I got a baseball bat in the cupboard. <laughs> he's not going to be blind. He's going to be dead after I get a hold of him. The submission to lay hands on the butcherer Saul and turn him into Paul. That takes a man of character, my friend. That takes a woman of character. That takes a person of character. That's like, that's like walking into Nazi headquarters during World War II and saying that you're head of the French uh, underground. That's boldness and brazenness. Ready to go anywhere. Ready to go to Philippi, to Ephesus, to prison. Ready to do anything. My body is sick, but I'm ready to go. I'm I'm about to die, Paul, but I'm ready to go. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And here's the thing. Paul, uh, Moses led millions. Abraham fathered a nation. Paul wrote scripture. But Epaphroditus, bring me my personal effects. Timothy, carry this letter. Seriously, that's it? Wait, wait, wait. You mean that's all? So I guess Epaphroditus and Timothy were just little nobodies, right? And, and, and Paul and Moses and Abraham, those were the big shots, right? Listen, my friends, not in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, all members are priests, all members are kings, all members are hand-selected, all are one in Christ, where there's neither Jew nor Greek, barbarian nor Scythian, slave nor free, male or female. Remember how we started in Philippians at the very first time that mercy and grace and peace, Paul says, go to everybody, overseers, servants, slaves, deacons, everybody. Everybody is one in this kingdom and aren't you glad for that nobody's better than anybody else no one gets any more grace than anybody else no one gets any more mercy no one gets any more cleansing we all get the same thing that's the way the kingdom works and Paul calls Epaphroditus a companion a fellow soldier a messenger hold him in high esteem because you know what there is a lot that did not go right Jonah didn't go had to be forced had had to spend some time in the belly of a whale. Demas has forsaken me, Paul says. Hmm. Jacob had to get a broken hip, right? Had to fight. Had to fight Jacob out of himself. 
Diotrephes, Paul says, loves preeminence, so he, he can't go. There are some hotshots who won't go unless they get center stage. There are some big deals who won't go unless they get top billing. We have more and more evangelists, I've said this before, that say they'd love to come and preach here, but here are my requirements. What does that even mean? Here are my requirements. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't have a list of requirements before he came to earth? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say, well, I need to stay at this particular hotel. And I need a love offering of at least this size. And I need a meal after this. And I need that over there. Oh, my goodness. I'm glad God isn't like us. Thank God for Timothy and Epaphroditus. A real man of God, a real woman of God is ready to go, ready to go. I, I know one old, old brother always used to say, yep, my bags are packed. <laughs> we need to live in a bags are packed mindset, don't we? Our bags are packed, either to go home and be with the Lord or to go where he tells us to go. So we're ready to go. Second one is that they were ready to help. Paul uses the word minister in here several times and what they did and how they ministered to each other and how they ministered to the Philippians and how the Philippians ministered to him. And that word, of course, is the same word that's used for ministry in the temple. It is service. It is spiritual worship. It is spiritual rendering to the Lord. And that's why I believe that nothing in the life of the believer is secular. Everything is spiritual. Not that we walk around like monks and things like that or or anything like that, but everything we do has a spiritual component, a spiritual basis. It's all spiritual. That's why Jesus said, let your yay be yay and your nay be nay, right? Because every word that comes out of our mouths is a vow. I said V-O-W, not V-O-W-E-L. It's a vow. And that's why we have to be so careful how we speak. Because if I say the wrong thing, the evil thing, then that vow is coming out. And so we have to be very careful about how we speak and what we talk about. Because this is a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? And this that we are living is service. Because are not the steps of a good man ordered of the Lord? Every place where you put your foot is holy ground. I believe because of this word usage, Paul is equating helping him with helping Jesus. Remember, we referenced Saul earlier. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? Is that what he said? No. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? If you've done it to the least of these, Jesus said, you've done it to me. So when I minister to the least of the body of Christ, I'm ministering to Jesus. When I help someone who's in need, I'm helping Jesus. When I'm helping someone that's sick or feeble or can't do something, I'm helping Jesus. We are helping him. If you've done it to the least, you've done it to me. What a wonderful, what a wonderful and easy way to understand ministry, isn't it? (laughs) Ministry is not preaching to thousands. It's not building a big church. It's not doing any of that. It's not, it's simply touching people for Jesus. What's the need? Where are you at? We have, we have, People in the nursery, people in kids' ministry right now, they're ministering to Jesus. Isn't that something? Everything we do, it's to Jesus. And Paul, this general of the faith, put himself on the same level as Timothy and Epaphroditus. He says, they are my fellow soldiers, they are my brothers. 
And what does the word say? Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Hold them in high reputation, he says. Boy, you mean, you mean I can have a high reputation just by helping? Yep, yep, you can. I, I can have a high reputation by just being a blessing to somebody? Yes, you absolutely can. I can, I can have a high reputation in the church by just being a Bar- Barnabas, just a son of consolation, just speaking a word to bless somebody, speaking a word to help somebody, visiting them when they're sick, visiting them in prison. When did you do these things to me? They said, right, to Jesus. And he said, when I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came to me. When I was poor, you helped me. When I was hungry, you fed me. Wow. That is so simple. You know, it is so simple that that we don't really even understand it, do we? We think we have to have all scripture memorized first before we can help somebody. Or we have to understand all doctrine before we can do this or that. We have to know all of this. And Oh, well, I can't talk to people about Jesus. No, but you can help them change their tire. Oh, I, I, I can't, I can't do, I can't witness to my neighbor. No, but you could bring them a cherry pie or something, right? Tell them that you love them. You need anything? Hallelujah. Well, I wouldn't bring them a cherry pie, but peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I could bring them that. Help them. Help each other. And so fulfill the law of Christ. I I always used to love, when I would travel, I worked in the same field as Brother Bon Giovanni for several years, and I used to love when I would would travel overseas, and and invariably the question would be, and of course at that time I I wasn't pastoring, um, and the the question would always be, oh, how big is your church? (laughs) And I always used to chuckle and think, okay, well, if I tell them 10,000, they won't believe me. If I tell them 100, they won't be impressed right? They won't listen to me. So I'd always tell them the same thing. How big is your church? Well, it's the same size as yours. Because as far as I know, there's only one church. Now, if you ask me what size of the church of the group that I fellowship with at the corner of Elm and First Street, whatever, that's a different matter. I could tell you that. But there's only one church. I don't know why we get this whole reputation thing going in the body of Christ. Isn't it amazing? Wow. Just one body. And we're all on the same level together. And we're ready to go. And we're ready to help. And then the last one, and that is the most challenging one, I believe, as we read about Epaphroditus being so sick almost to death, but God had mercy on him, and he didn't didn't stop. We're ready to sacrifice, aren't we? We're ready to sacrifice. Not regarding his life. That's a gamble. Not regarding his life. I, you know, that, that's a challenge to me. I, I get convicted when I read a sentence like that. Because my life really is easy. I mean, I hate to tell you, it's pretty easy. I mean, I can preach on Sunday morning so far. I can go out and tell people about Jesus. I can do whatever I want. And... There are no soldiers that are going to come and lock me up, right? It's pretty, pretty simple and easy here in America. And I get challenged whenever I read this. And I think, Lord, am I really, am I really sacrificing for you? And I think it's a good question. I think in our society that is so simple and easy, I think we need to ask that question every now and then, don't we? I know. I didn't think I'd hear an amen on that, but you know. It's true. Boy, just think about 
how much we have and how we live right now like kings compared to the way Ripley and Latimer lived in 1500s. How many are glad that you don't have a toilet in your bedroom and it's 90 degrees? We always look at those movies about living in castles and things. Can you imagine how those castles must have smelled back then? Like a cesspool. Goodness gracious. We live like kings now and it's easy for us to not sacrifice. I know. I won't, I won't pursue this anymore. But just simply to say, what do we regard today, men and women? What do we admire? What do we esteem? What do we hold fast to? What do we consider important? What do we consider relevant? What do we consider noteworthy? Is it that new car? Is it what we read in the newspaper that's impressing us? Is it we, what's our reference point as believers? Well, we know it's, it's this, is it not? It's the word of God. And that's our reference point. What, what, what do we cherish? What do we favor? What do we prize? What do we treasure? Because Jesus said, wherever the treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be as well. What do we hold as high a value? Are, are, are we so shallow that we regard only physical things as important? Are we so shallow to only value what the, what the bank statement is or what our real estate value is or things like that? Are we like secular scientists who say that the only real things are those things that we can touch and taste and feel and smell or see? How many know there's a whole world out there that's so important that you can't taste, touch, smell, or see? And there are so many people that need that touch, that care. For me as, as, as a pastor, as a, as a minister, is it my ministry that I hold so dear that I don't want to let go? Am I willing to sacrifice Every part of me, my wife, my children, my ministry, everything. Ah, it's a question we have to ask every day. And I know that's a solemn question. It's a hard question. And you know what? It's that question that we've said many times. Only you can answer. No one can answer it for you. But it's a question we have to ask. Am I going to be like Timothy and Epaphroditus? Am I going to be ready to go? Am I going to be ready to help? Am I going to be ready to sacrifice whatever the cost might be? And that's a challenge that all of us have to accept. Men, that's the journey for us today. That's the course that we're following. And women, and if there's anything our society needs more right now, it's men who will stand up and be men and women who will stand up and be women of character. Let's just bow our heads. Father, I just thank you so much for these individuals. Oh, we read all the time in Scripture about Abraham and Moses and Jacob and Joshua fighting that battle and, and David destroying Goliath. These, these characters are wonderful. They're bigger than life. And, and, and truly, they are there as examples for us upon whom is coming the end of the age, the Word says. They're there for us to, to, to follow after the Apostle Paul, to look at his life, to fight the good fight of faith, to, to warfare through persecution and difficulties. But Father, I thank you for guys like Timothy and Epaphroditus because I think they're guys like us. They're just normal, everyday guys that got sick, that had troubles, probably were not great preachers, not great teachers, not great communicators. But 
boy, oh boy, they seem to be men of character. And that's what we need today. And I pray, Father, that you'll make us your men of character in these last days. That'll be ready to help, ready to go, ready to sacrifice for the kingdom. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, we did it for the ladies and we want to do it for the men as well. I'd like all the fathers to just stand, if you will. All fathers, go ahead and stand. I'm not going to have you do anything embarrassing. And as I always say, uh, this group compared to Mother's Day is just not nearly as good looking. But, but we love them. Ladies, if you want to touch one of the guys around you, that's fine. If you want to go touch somebody, I just want to pray for them or just extend your hand. Just want to pray for these wonderful men and that the Lord would continue to bless them. Father, we just thank you so much for these men. We thank you for fathers today, fathers that will stand up and truly be fathers, fathers that will be fathers not only to their biological children, but perhaps to their stepchildren or perhaps to their grandchildren or step-grandchildren or just to strangers that they've adopted into the family. You have these men placed in your kingdom to be men of God to bless this country, Father. We ask right now for wisdom and strength, no matter what the age, that even as they get older, they'll be like Caleb. Their eyes are going to get stronger. Their hearts are going to get stronger. Their bodies are going to get stronger. That they'll be able to continue to be a blessing to the world around them. We ask, Father, for wisdom and understanding and knowledge and discretion that you would help them to be men that are in season instant in season and out of season that are ready always 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 to give an answer of the hope that is within them with meekness and with fear and that people will be drawn to them to hear your word of encouragement and blessing through them we thank you for them we ask your blessing on them that you'll continue to build strong marriages strong hearts strong minds in them and that they'll continue on to be a blessing for you. We thank you, Father. We're going to praise you for it because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. How many just are glad for your for fathers? Give them a blessing if you could in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, everybody stand together. I'm sure we have family we're going to be meeting shortly, so enjoy your Father's Day. Go forth praising him. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.